On today's show, it's the Locked On Cavs Donovan Mitchell preview. Thanks for making Locked On Cavs your first listen every day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Please subscribe on there if you have not already. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, the music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. Check them out on Apple Music or Spotify. I'm Chris Manning, covering the Cavs and the NBA for places like Diamond Up Rocks and Espanation for the Sword. My co-host is Evan Dameril at Meta's Face. Meta's right down. You could almost have Meta's Facebook well, in that way. If Meta been, does technically own Facebook, so you're not wholly wrong there. The would have been on. Well, they don't own Spotify, for the record. Yeah, you you did say that once, and I was like, Evan, just out with, here spitting. With full, full send, full confidence, Evan is a different beast sometimes, because he just, <clears throat> he's wrong often, but he will never admit it. I always feel like I give you a certain look when I know you said something incorrect, too, and it's like a little... I, 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 I know, because you'll start looking it up right away, too, just to double check. <laughs> you're like, the clickety-clack you, 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 of, the, keyboard, the, yeah. of the keyboard, or I see you like just pick up your phone really quick. It's like, oh, I'm being held accountable. Oh, no. That's right, buddy. All right. Today, it's the Donovan Mitchell season preview. We're going to preview every player on the roster in some way, shape, or form. So Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, maybe one or two others get a full episode preview. Some of the other ones we'll do segments on because there's less to say, and we're just, we'll we'll kind of rip those out. And look, we're getting close to games. We're getting close to actual training camp stuff, meat availability. We're getting into the thick of the season as we kind of are back at five days a week and and all this stuff. And Mitchell felt like an appropriate person to start with because he's a Bizhurst. Big summer acquisition. Perhaps there's some people out there that maybe aren't as familiar with with what kind of makes Mitchell Mitchell if they've maybe only watched a handful of jazz games. Uh, the other thing is that we on Monday, ahead of media day, we will have Andy Bailey from Bleach Report on to talk about Donovan Mitchell. Andy knows Mitchell better than a, a lot of people. Um, very smart basketball mind. Really good with the numbers. Just a very smart dude. Right side of the half of mind to break down Mitchell, pick his brand and some stuff, and dive into Mitchell even more. So kind of a two-part Mitchell preview. Evan, uh, we're going to do, for all of these previews, though, we're going to start with what is the big question. And I think for Donovan Mitchell, the big question is this. How much better does he make the Cavs? So, Evan, I'll put that to you first. How much better does Donovan Mitchell make the Cavs? So, prior to this trade, I'd say Cleveland was flirting with 40 to 45 wins on the season, just with how they're presently constructed and just... Uh, the weight of expectations just kind of being on the shoulders of this young roster. And we talked about this a little bit when we were ranking the players uh, the other day um, for Thursday's episode. And you correctly noted this, that Donovan Mitchell has the experience. He has the wherewithal and the knowledge to kind of carry this Cavs team on offense when they really need to or when they're getting stagnant or a little tight. So how much better does he make them? Quite a bit offensively. Defensively, he says he's going to try, but, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. But if I had to put like a quantifiable number on it, I think it takes the Cavs from like that low to mid 40s range to low 50s and possibly mid 50s, depending on how the season breaks for them, where like they could realistically flirt with the top four record in the Eastern Conference if things just kind of break their way. I think top four is 
very reasonable. I think like they're they're over unders at forty six uh, and a half. I I think over is what I would lean towards. That I think at the very least, I think the offense is just going to be better. And I think if we're looking at the where the Cavs sort of needed to improve to take that step forward. Evan, I, th- I think the offense just had to be better. I think the offense had to function better. It had to be more dynamic. It had to ask. It didn't have to. It needed to get to a place where Darius Garland didn't have to do so much. Where like the only really reliable play you had a lot of the time was was like a uh, Garland's Allen pick and roll or or Garland feeding a shooter. Right, like you needed more. Mitchell's going to provide that. I think the offense goes from. Like a, it's just a titch below league average last year, and maybe it would have gotten there with health anyway. I think certainly you could you could make that argument. I'd be sympathetic to it, but Mitchell's gonna take that offense. I think they should be somewhere around a top ten offense. The defense should stay where it's at, and I, I think a top four seed, fifty wins. I think getting at least to the second round of the playoffs is very in play. I, I think the mm-hmm. Cavs are are kind of a team, for, particularly for this year, that have motivation in particular to maximize the regular season. I think they're in that that bracket of teams that I think really are going to go forward in the regular season. I think they're going to look really good. Well, the playoff stuff will obviously see where that, where that gets when the chips fall, how they do. But I think they're definitely better. And I think yeah. they're more legit this year than I think they might have been. Like I think pre-Mitchell trade, I think you're right saying, look, playing tournament might have been a thing. It could have been, it could have still been a concern for you. I think you're, I think you should feel pretty good about them not being in the playing race fully if things just kind of, if considering health and all that, I would feel pretty optimistic that they're not going to end up there. Let me bounce this back to you, though. When we can talk about this in the next segment if you want as well, but where do you think you're going to see the biggest, like we, we gave our broad strokes, like we're saying offensively he's going to make this biggest impact for the teams. Where do you think offensively he'll make the biggest change for the Cavs? And I think it's going to be the three-point percentage and just improving that low average three-point offense to becoming hopefully average or slightly above average because I don't expect a dramatic leap just from one player contributing but I think that's going to be like his biggest contribution and obviously there's a lot of other areas too but like you're really going to notice like a huge uptick in three-point percentage for the Cavs with him I think I think three-pointers the win I think the kinds of three-pointers they're going to be very dynamic right like they're going to be pull-ups uh I think the overall spacing is going to look better but he's going to make them more dynamic and he's also just going to add another layer of a guy who can get downhill and create opportunities and, and just make everything sort of function better, right? Like, I think Mitchell... Like, I, I would I would label Garland as, like, the better creator, kind of the more spread-the-wealth kind of guy in terms of his reads and things. But I think mm-hmm. what Mitchell's going to do is provide an element of speed. I think he's going to provide an element of getting downhill. I think he's going to provide an element of just overall spacing and dynamicism. And I think, like, in, I think in particular, this is a guy that in half-court situations, when things get tight and things get condensed and things get in the muck Mitchell can navigate those we have seen him do it and I think having someone you can lean to for those kind of environments you know I I think it's like fascinating that you know we get the Raptors opening night that's like a perfect pressure point in a contrast of styles to how the Cavs with Mitchell are going to kind of look offensively in some ways I am I think he's going to just relieve so much pressure on everyone to function better I think we've said this about Evan Mobley I think it's true for Darius Garland it means Jared Allen's always going to have someone on the floor with him to throw him lobs, right? Like everyone is just going to function a little bit better in part because of Mitchell. Yeah, I, I think you and I are on the same page on that one. Where, yeah, it's just it starts at the three point percentage and just the di- the dynamism is a good way to put it in terms of how this offense will look for the Cavs, and it's just a trickle down effect with like individual impact when it comes to 
Garland, Mobley, Allen, just like that's our main focus is I, I did a player preview for Hollow Neto as well, where while Ricky Rubio's out, you're able to pick up some of that offensive slack that Rubio kind of provided you last season, at least in theory. And now you're not asking Neto to do that either. So I think there's interesting ways where you can kind of like just zero in on an individual player on Cleveland's roster and say like, yeah, Donovan Mitchell can make their life a little bit easier in certain aspects of the game on just either end of the floor. The the one other part of it that I think will will make the better is something I'm it's this is the tease for later, Evan. I'm the, I want you to I'm gonna put I'm gonna put this out there now and then I'm okay. we're gonna come back to it in segment three. Donovan Mitchell, had he been on the Cavs last year, would have been the Cavs per per game leader in steals per game. That's wild to think about. This broke my brain when I uh, looked this up uh, on Wednesday when I was prepping for the show, and I'll come back to why that matters. But I think there's another area related to that that I think he's going to do some things. Even if we don't consider him a good defender, because he's not, I think there's a part of him that's going to un- that theoretically could be unlocked. He can help unlock something that I think the Cavs need to turn the dial up more if they're going to improve on offense. But we'll talk about that uh, coming up. All right. After the break, we're going to get into what I think is the key part of the Mitchell-Cavs dynamic, and that is the give and take of what Mitchell was in Utah and what Mitchell is going to be asked to be in Cleveland and how those things mesh and, and don't mesh. But first, I'm going to tell everyone about our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchup, news, and podcasts, including the upcoming weekend slate of games. BetOnline is also your continued source for your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. For instance, BetOnline has Evan Mobley at plus 1,600 to win Defensive Player of the Year. They also have the Cavs over-under at 46.5 after the Donovan Mitchell trade. That's BetOnline. That's where the game starts. Check them out today. All the latest stuff. I mean, if there's anything in sports you want to bet on, pretty sure you're going to be able to find it at BetOnline. All right, back here on Lockdown Cast. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Damrell. What's up? So, Evan, I wrote about this in the in the Fear the Sword preview I did. So I'm gonna I'll link that below if people want to read it. I think the whole key to this for me is that I think like there's gonna be a and we've I think we've touched on this a little bit in other shows, but I think the the key for Mitchell in all of this working is there's gonna be a balance between him. And Garland, but really mm-hmm. what the Cavs sort of are. Yeah. He is this is just not the Utah setup where it's a lot of shooters plus Gobert around him, and then he can drive an attack to pull ups and they're clearing out space for him. There's obviously I think gonna be moments of that. I think they would be silly not to try to replicate that. That's sort of why I think like it would be very tempting to play him and Allen as like a duo and then uh, Garland and, and Mobley to some degree. I think there's there's a case that that makes a lot of sense. We'll, I will get to maybe that in, in, later or we come back to that, come back to that in the Garland episode, whatever it is. I also just think there's a basic function of Mitchell where the Cavs are going to need him to take spot ups and function in that way. He took way more pull ups than spot ups in Utah. I suspect that will remain the case. Mm-hmm. I just think he's going to have to do something. It's going to look a little bit different based on where he's at. And I would argue that's probably a good thing for everyone, but I, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be an adjustment. It's definitely going to be an adjustment. I think it's going to be a lot of 
players, just singularly uh, Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell both kind of swallowing their pride a little bit and trying to find a way to coexist because you noted this the other day when we were talking about it that Donovan Mitchell's never played with a point guard at the NBA level quite like Darius Garland where it's not Ricky Rubio or Mike Conley who are a little bit more seasoned vets. Conley, yes, was a former All-Star and arguably one of the greatest Grizzly players of all time, but not the same level of dynamism as Darius Garland at the end of the day either. So they're like, there's obviously a different talent gap there. And so he's going to have to adjust a little bit because Darius Garland, rightfully so, is the face of this Cavaliers franchise. They just, you know, put the money up to him to make him that. And he kind of has deserved that moniker, especially after how last season went for him. But on the same side of things, like Donovan Mitchell just isn't some high-quality role player the Cavs went and got in the offseason to support Darius Garland. This isn't something similar to getting Karis LeVert or trying to bring back Colin Sexton into the fold in this new offensive identity where Garland is the lead ball handler. Like He's going to have to learn to find that coexistence with Donovan Mitchell on the floor, and I think it's going to take a little bit. It's not going to be pretty or perfect for a while. It could take uh, several weeks into the season for it to actually really kind of start hitting, but we, we noted this a little bit when we were talking about Jared Allen. We're like, he's going to be consistent. There's going to be nights where maybe we see Garland dominating the ball and Mitchell not getting enough shots. You're going to see some of those moments, too, where just like they're trying to figure out each other's spots and times on the floor because it's it, NBA is an imperfect game, as perfect as some people might think this team looks on paper right now. Like They're going to have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable with one another on the floor and kind of making it work. But it's going to be an interesting adjustment. But when this Cavs team does start clicking, they like you said in the first segment, have the potential to be not only just a top five to top ten defense just based on last year's numbers, but a top offensive team in this league where they're truly balanced on both ends of the floor and they are able to win games a lot more easily instead of having to grind out a lot of their matches against opponents just because they can't find that proper offensive cohesiveness or balance. I'm I'm, I'm curious to see like how some of this develops and, and when they get to games that matter, right? Like, when the big moments come, when they're in a playoff series, like that, this is also just like going to be another element of this, I think, because like, like let's just say like they're they play you know Miami in the first round or something, and it's like okay, like you know you're you're going head to head against that team, and and you're like how are, how is the how do the share of the ball handling goes? Is it based on the matchups? Are they feeding off of each other? Like one of the, like one of the things that I think kind of ultimately makes the Cavs kind of decide to go for this Mitchell thing is I think ultimately they were I think you can I think it's fair to say that you were sort of unsure how Mitch how how Garland and Sexton really fed off each other right like if they were mm-hmm. empowering each other I think one of the reasons that you could run with the McCollum and Lillard backcourt for example and then and how that worked was that for at least a long run they were kind of empowering each other they were getting results that was sort of working different circumstances obviously with the Cavs but I don't think you ever felt like they exactly fully kind of were empowering each other in that right way and maybe with time they could have figured it out better luck whatever it just yeah, didn't work I, out that I, way i agree with that notion i just don't think they really had the opportunity to like fully figure out how to empower one another just because things were so dramatic last season and now yeah. obviously we just will never know yeah right so like that's where it is and then like you also just saw the the magic that rubio and garland had last year so i i, I think there's like an impulse to see like okay let's let's go for something that we're kind of sure can work the styles are complementary offensively, um, and it's this is to if you're the Cavs also just like you're not a big market, you can't be super perfectly picky about going for something like this. So like I I think that's how you get to, this, to the decision they did. We've we've hit this a bunch. 
I think just how they give and take in the big moments, in the big games, in close games, I think that'll also be kind of a feeling out process. It's just natural for that to be that way. Mitchell's kind of been the guy in Utah for that. Garland was kind of the guy in Cleveland last year. Obviously, has not had the same moments that Mitchell has had on, on bigger stages. How those two kind of work it out, how those two kind of find a balance in those moments, how the Cavs also use them in different ways to kind of loosen things up for better shots leading games yeah. and do good ATOs and things. That's going to be one of the really fun little things to track over the season is what these two sort of look like, Garland and Mitchell, look like leading games and, and when they and how they kind of feed off each other in those really tight moments. Yeah, it is going to be interesting for sure. And I like you said, you, we may not get like a full scope of how this can come to fruition and work for the Cavs long term, maybe until it's a playoff series for them. But uh, to be fair, I think like you said in the first segment, them opening up the season in Toronto um, is a really good test for this team because like that's a high intensity atmosphere to be in with to be playing in Toronto. And also the fact that, like this is a team stylistically that matches up very well with Cleveland on the defensive side of the ball. And you can kind of get this sentiment from a lot of the players and the coaching staff as well that the Cavs are kind of have to shift focus from being the hunters to being the hunted this season because a lot of teams are now aware that, hey, Cleveland's pretty good again. And there are certain pressure points and buttons that they can hit to really make this team uncomfortable and maybe kind of fall apart at the seams. And that is where I think Donovan Mitchell is really going to become really handy because... Yeah, you can get that veteran experience from Kevin Love to kind of smooth things over and keep things calm, but like you can't ask Kevin Love to do that on a night to night basis playing 30 to 35 plus minutes a night where like Donovan Mitchell, if you need to lean on him, I think he is more than physically equipped for the Cavs to lean on him and then let them him carry them in certain scenarios, maybe when this team is looking tight offensively or maybe when the pressure becomes too much for some of these younger guys on this roster. Yeah, I think I I think this is just going to be I I think they have so many options for these tight moments late in the year now that I, I can't wait to see how they they go. Yeah. You know, like it's just gonna be a really interesting like how this develops, I think will feel very different. I Evan, true or false, we will feel we will have different feelings about this in terms of how they look just sort of how everything sort of functions. We will have like a better clear idea about all this like we'll we'll think much differently about it like let's just say like post all-star break than we do like the first two weeks of the season if they have a close game then sure no absolutely true it's the regular season's a different beast like the Cavs are steamrolling teams last year early in the season just because that's a diff because the Cavs are just young and full of energy and they kind of snowballed a bit and I think they could have similar effects to start the season this year. But now that they have a guy in Donovan Mitchell and maybe they kind of have that experience of, hey, we've gotten snake bitten a few times in the end of last year. At least they'll be a little bit more aware of when it's coming so they're not blindsided by it. But um, true. I think we're going to have stronger feelings and a much, definitely a much better understanding how kind of how this Cavs team operates, especially post-All-Star break. Remember when we thought the Cavs were going to be screwed when they lost a bunch of games in the West Coast last year and then they won a bunch of those games? Well, I kind of thought they were screwed because Darius Garland's back was starting to act up then. So, Well, I mean I'm, early in the season when they uh, had that, like, that, those ten, like, all those games against good oh, teams. Yeah, like, well, we, yeah, it's the infamous locked on Cavs uh, seal support. We're like, oh, they're definitely going to lose those games. Like John Bayline's yeah. last game as coach of the Cavs. They're definitely going to lose that one. Yeah, they went and won in Denver. I'm, I'm they curious went and won they... in Denver, and that's when I was in my old apartment. I'm like, no, they're not going to win. I had a crappier mic back then. Yeah, I definitely thought they were skinning smoke to that game. Okay, after the break, one last break. We're going to talk about – we're going to move to the defensive side of Donovan Mitchell because I think this is 
pertinent to, to how we discuss this team. We'll be right back. All right, last segment on Locked On Cavs. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Damerl. This is Locked On Cavs, your team every day. Evan, here here's just something I'm gonna note about Mitchell's defensive season last year. I think we could, I think rightfully we can look at the end of the year with him and how bad he was in the Dallas playoff series. It's something that he has said a bunch, right? Like, and and has been I think very much known about what he is as a defender. For whatever it's worth, and I'm actually this is one of the things we're gonna ask Andy about because having not watched the Jazz night in, night out, I don't totally know what to make of this. His defensive, excuse me, his steal rate last year went up uh, last year overall. It was close to what it was his first two seasons after it had dipped in 2019-20 and 2020-2021. He had one, he averaged 1.5 steals per game last year, which would have been first on the Cavs. Evan, without, I, I don't know if you're looking at this right now. If you are, if you've already looked at this, tell me because I'm not going to quiz you. But can you guess who led the Cavs in steals last year? Per game. Uh, Per game? Evan Mobley. Ricky Rubio, 1.4. Oh, that's all Darius, surprising. Because again, Darius, the, the defensive bump from Ricky Rubio still makes no sense in my brain. <laughs> He was much better on defense than he was I, on offense. Yeah, yeah. I've been, it's, this it's, is it's the wildest. This is, that's what doesn't make sense to me. Is like he wasn't a good defensive player coming into Cleveland. He suddenly just found some a fountain of youth in Lake Erie. Uh yeah, well, that I disagree, but whatever. Garland was at one point three point steals per game. Mobley is at zero point eight. So like the Cavs are not generating like a ton of steals. Like Isaac Okoro, maybe your best perimeter defender, just not mm-hmm. like generate steals. It's like one of the big flaws in his defensive game. The other part of this, Evan, that makes me wonder about what Mitchell's impact might be. I'm not expecting him to, like, suddenly be really good on defense. I'm not suddenly expecting him to, like, lock guys down. That's not what's going to happen. But if he can, like, feel empowered and the Cavs can say, hey, like, play the, you have a 6'10 wingspan, play the passing lanes, generate steals with Mobley and Allen behind you, and we have a pretty conservative scheme that's going to be built on effort and rotation. I think you can like allow him to do that, and that allows you to ramp up some of the transition stuff. And then that also, this is what I was hitting back at in the first segment, the offense gets better that way. The Cavs were really good in transition last year in terms of efficiency, but did not get out on the break very much at all. They were very low in terms of how often they got on the break. I think if Mitchell is like a guy who's actually getting some steals, generating fast breaks, doing some of that, and that they push turnovers that way, I, I think that's just another little way he's going to make the offense better, and that's maybe where his defensive value comes in more than anything else. I think the Cavs playing fast is just a smart way to go about things, just at utilizing the fast break more. I think, yes, obviously having half-court sets and having a team that's comfortable in the half-court is key, especially in the playoffs when the game slows down. And as you noted, Mitchell isn't a good defender for the Cavs, but I do think about how like, yeah, Larry Nance Jr. kind of evolved into, like, a jack-of-all-trades master of none, but the season prior to, like, two seasons ago, um, he led the Cavs in steals. And, like, you think about that, there was a lot of it was just because he had active hands on defense where there were a lot of opportunities where he would just strip people as they are driving to the lane or he would just deflect passes. I think he led the league in deflect passes for a while. Like, Mitchell could kind of play a similar vein to that where if he just plays with enough energy on defense, and this is what I've kind of noted that for a while when it comes to him is, and as you've noted, he's never quite been on a team that is so young and full of offensive firepower that maybe he doesn't have to drain the entire tank on a night-to-night basis more on the offensive side of the ball. And he can leave a little bit of gas on defense where 
yeah, he's not going to be a lockdown defender like you said. I, I just don't think you can expect that from him, especially now because so many teams have so much tape on just how he defends as a player and can kind of press certain buttons to make him uncomfortable on defense. But like you said, like physically speaking, he does have this, the, the, the physique to be a pretty okay defender at times, and I think J.B. Bickerstaff can tap into that. And a lot of it does come on the effort side of things, and maybe that's where Bickerstaff can really just kind of connect with Mitchell and utilize that because Quinn Setter was a good defensive tactician, but they asked Donovan to pretty much do everything on offense because everyone kind of makes that argument about it for some reason. But I think now that it's just like you're not asking him to do everything for you on offense and just ask Gobert to do everything on defense, and you can kind of find that little bit of just a happy place there, there could be something to it where he's not the worst defender on Cleveland's roster by any stretch of the imagination. He's not going to be the best either, but he could be slightly below average or below average as a defender for them and not be a liability for them. Both Mitchell and Garland are going to benefit from having another guard to handle the ball because that means all, as you just said, their energy is not going to be just ruined, right? Like their yeah. energy is not going to be fully just having to be spent on that in the floor. That's like a thing. This is just like a thing. T- guys will decline on defense, be a little bit worse on defense in part when they have to do a ton more on offense. That becomes a problem. Yep. Um, JB like, got asked about this. He said, Darius and Donovan are improved on defense. Uh, this is a, a quote from, I believe, his uh, session thing. And he also said, look, it's a luxury to have two guys that I, who I can, I believe can be a defensive player. They're Evan and Jarrett. Both have that ability. Oh, We're going to rely I heavily on them. I thought he was talking about Garland and Mitchell, and I'm like, excuse me, what? No. They, he talked about scheme, and he talked about some of the, the scheme being need to overcome some size limitations, I think, particularly on the wing. They still have the, this, he said they still have the two seven footers, not three anymore, but they have the two important ones. And I think like they are going to be have to just compete, fight over screens, and make things hard enough. So like it's not just having guys barrel into the chest of Evan Mobley and get get right at you down right. Like they're going to have to do some of that work and be smart and play smart off ball. And I think that'll be enough. And if again, if Mitchell can generate like some steals and add, he's the guy that weirdly kind of adds that a little bit of dimension in the fast break stuff. I think that makes the offense that that will just make their offense better. Like it just mm-hmm. will. It'll be small. It'll be kind of a minimal thing. It's not something you'll be able to get, you know, more than a couple points per game out of. But that will matter in close games. That will matter for just overall for overall functioning as best you possibly can. Yeah, I I just you know, I don't think you can say it any better, man. It's just there's going to be a lot of growing pains to this Cavs team. But once they kind of figure each other out on both ends of the floor and also maybe figure out the starting three spot, because if Isaac Okoro does start at the three for the Cavs, like he does relieve a lot of the defensive pressure, especially because the pairing of Mitchell and Garland isn't very good. And like, you're going to be asking uh, Mobley and Allen to cover for them a lot. But if you're able to provide a little bit of a stopgap with Okoro there, or I mean, even Lamar Stevens, if you get him some bench minutes as well, like there's ways to kind of make this work that it's just you find that cohesiveness and it's it's going to be a trial it's going to be a learning process and i know you asked me this several episodes ago like it's not going to be figured out and i'm not really immensely prepared for the uh rome is burning type headlines that are going to be coming out this way when the Cavs maybe get smoked in their first couple games of the season but it's going to be fun like i think donovan mitchell Again, if he's the star you believe in your heart of hearts can push you over the edge, get you into the playoffs and possibly beyond, and I have a feeling he can be that guy for the Cavs. It's just going to take time. Um, You more than pay the stuff, and then you go through these growing pains because it'll be worth it when you are really like a serious team in the East, a very good East again. 
end on this, Evan. True or false, Donovan Mitchell will be an all-star in his first year as a Cavalier. This true. will be his fourth straight all-star game. Okay, you're going to say true. I'm going to say true as well. Little I, tease. I, I think the fans will vote him in more than anything. He's so popular. He's also really good. Like, here's the thing. Donovan yeah, Mitchell's he's really, really good. good. Too. He's really good. Okay, Chris, true or false, the Cavs will have four all-stars represented in Salt Lake City this year. I think it's going to be three, and I'm not going to say I don't want this. You're you're we're on the same wavelength here because I was going to say I think they're going to have three. Mitchell being one, and um, we'll reveal the, who I think the other two will be as we go. Are you gonna Are you going to be a super optimist man and say four? No, I think it's going to be three as well, just because of how good the East is. But we'll reveal as we go and see if we agree on who we think it's going to be. Yes. All right. That's going to be it for today's Lockdown Cavs. Uh, again, thanks to Jake Stevens for producing this episode as he does for all of them. We're going to be back on Monday talking with Andy Bailey from Bleach Report about Donovan Mitchell again, just to kind of get the insight from someone who watched him a ton in Utah and understands the game at a very high level. So we hope you tune in for that. Uh, also go check out Lockdown Guardians, Lockdown Browns. There's also a certain big NBA story happening uh, in Boston right now. So go check out John Corrales and Lockdown Celtics and uh, the the, kids, the Pistons just traded for Bojan Bogdanovich. So go check out Lockdown Pistons if you want to know about that. Now, thanks for making Lockdown Cats your first listen now, go and make the NBA Top 50 Unlocked in NBA your second listen. Which NBA player moves the betting lines the most of the season? Locked on and the Bet Online Odds Makers present the NBA Top 50 Most Valuable Players. Find it on Locked in NBA wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, where there's a bunch of calves discussing there. You'll hear from Evan and I in those episodes if you want more of us. And go check that out. It's a really good series. You'll learn a lot. Until next time, on Monday with Andy Bailey, I'm Chris. That's Evan. This has been Locked on Cavs, your team every day.